0: I greet you this morning in the name of Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, as we come on Easter Sunday to celebrate the good news of the resurrection. For any I haven't met, my name is Bill Birch. I am one of the pastors here at Northside, and I'm so glad you've joined us for worship either here in person as well as those who are joining us online. Throughout Lent, we have been focusing upon John three sixteen, familiar words, one of the most beloved verses of the Bible here at this day, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. On that very first Easter morning, some women made their way through the pre-dawn darkness, carrying spices and ointments in their hands. They were going to anoint Jesus' body for burial. And as they walked, they talked, worried about the Roman soldiers that were guarding the tomb, Along with how would they roll away that big rock sealing the grave? Then the earth shook beneath their feet, and there was a rending of rock, and the Roman soldiers dropped like dead men, and standing before them was an angelic figure in dazzling raiment who challenged them with the question, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen just as he said, go. Go. Tell the others. And dropping the now useless spices and ointments to their feet, they ran to Jerusalem to share the good news that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. And that's the reason we gather here on this Easter Sunday, to celebrate the good news of life, abundant life, and everlasting life in Jesus' resurrection. Now, there are many folk outside the church who will readily admit that Jesus of Nazareth was an important historical figure, a moral, ethical example, maybe even a prophet sent from God. But on this day, those worldly well-wishers and a people of faith part company because Easter separates those who think from those who believe. Like all mysteries, it's difficult to understand. Like all miracles, at times, it can be even harder to believe. Even the disciples who had spent three years with Jesus, who had been warned by him about the crucifixion and then with the promise of the resurrection, they still struggled. They dismissed the women's reports as hysterical gossip. Simon Peter went to the empty tomb, looked inside, and then walked away wondering what these things might mean. Thomas would later say, even though you tell me it's true, unless I see with my eyes, unless I touch with my hands, I'm not going to believe. And from the earliest moments, the rumors began. The Jewish authorities went to the Roman soldiers and said, you must say you fell asleep, and his disciples stole the body. Disregard the fact that Jews had no authority over Roman soldiers, that the punishment for falling asleep on duty was death, and the Ludicrous idea that Galilean peasants could overcome Rome's finest? What worked on their behalf was it seemed simply too good to be true. And the rationalizations and the explanations continue to this day. And there are well-meaning Christian apologists out there who will rebut each argument and try to prove factually how the resurrection occurred, but even they miss the point. The facts themselves are never enough. Read the gospel accounts again. The apostles were not convinced by the empty tomb or by raiments of Jesus that had been discarded or by the reports of the women or by these rumors of angelic figures. What convinced them was a face-to-face encounter with the risen Lord. And scripture is unanimous on this point. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 wrote, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead according to the scripture. And then he appeared to Peter, to the 12, to more than 500 at one time, to James, to all the other apostles, and even to me. When the Apostle John wrote his first letter to the church, he talked about the personal, intimate witness that he shared when he wrote, "...that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched." This is what we proclaim concerning the word of life, and the good news echoes down through the centuries to our ears this day, and we share it as we say, Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed, but certainly that's not news to you. We've heard, we've recited those words on Easter's past. It's the reason why churches across the nation and the world will enjoy their highest attendance on Easter Sunday. In fact, looking back, this will be the highest number of people we've had at church since Christmas Eve 2019 as we have journeyed together through the pandemic. And we realize we have guests present with us, but we also realize that this is a day that church members choose to all come and attend. Now, I've got some friends in other churches that like to kid about CEO Christians Christmas, Easter only. But my goodness, if you're going to come to church, today's the day. Although I did hear about one church member that was complaining to their pastor. They said, y'all really need to get a little bit more creative and shake it up around here. Every time I come to church on the altar, there's either poinsettias or there are lilies. (laughs) But this is our day. It is at the center of the Christian faith we celebrate the good news of the resurrection. And even as we do so and we sing the songs and we recite the creeds and we say the prayers, there may be a bit inside of us, it's like the person who said to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. In fact, I think you can make a case that on Easter Sunday, more than any other day of the year, It's easy to be an atheist. Stick with me for a minute. I'm not talking about a full-blown atheism that wants to take prayer out of public schools and remove manger scenes from courthouse squares. I'm talking about a subtler, more insidious sort of atheism or agnosticism that works its way into the hearts of even the most faithful. When we say we believe... But we act and live as if the resurrection was a fairy tale, and we don't allow it to have the power in our lives. Many of us have traveled from Chattanooga to Nashville on in Interstate 24, and along the way there's that high pass near Swanee, Tennessee, and there are prominent signs for truckers to reduce their speed and to shift into low gear. At the top of the pass, there is a rest area where they can adjust their brakes, and going back down the mountain on either side, there are strategically placed ramps filled with sawdust for runaway trucks. In New Zealand, truckers have a special term for coming down off the mountain with the engine off, the gear shift in neutral, and the brakes not applied. They call it driving in angel gear. I dare you. To drive in angel gear this morning, to set aside the doubts and the fears and the uncertainties and ask the question, what would it truly mean in our lives if we believe in my life, in your life, in the life of the world about us, that we claim and proclaim that Jesus Christ is risen? What a power there is in those words to transform our lives and transform our witness to others. Walk with the women through the pre-dawn darkness. Feel the earth quake beneath your feet. Hear the crash of thunder and see the flash of lightning. The frosty breath of the angel proclaim, do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. And then more than say it, believe it, and bet our last dollar on the fact that it is true and that this day we celebrate The gifts of life, the gift of eternal life, the gift of abundant life, the gift of daily life. First and foremost, Easter proclaims that we are a people of the resurrection. We have been given the gift of life everlasting. Throughout Lent, we have focused upon John 3.16. And we come to that final phrase today, eternal life which is our birthright as God's people. We no longer have to be doubt bearers and death dreaders. At the cross, sin's power was shattered, and at the empty tomb, death was destroyed. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your stings. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the firstborn among the resurrection, but we are sons and daughters of the resurrection as well. We sing the hymn, sing with all the saints in glory, sing the resurrection song. Death and sorrow, earth's dark story, to the former days belong. All around the clouds are breaking soon, the storms of time shall cease. In God-likeness we awaken, know the everlasting peace. The gift God gives us is eternal life today, but God also gives us abundant life. The Christian faith is not just concerned about life after death. It's also concerned about life before death. That the one who has given us life also gives us fulfillment in life. And that's a message we need to cling to in a fallen world where oftentimes we bump into the sharp corners of the earth around us. Teresa Avila One of the great devotional writers of the Christian faith lived in the 16th century, joined the order of the Carmelite nuns. She was an austere, authoritative, disciplinarian. And yet the stern woman of God in her personal devotion could write, from silly devotions and from sour-faced saints, Good Lord, deliver us. Joy is the word. It is our birthright as God's people. It's not dependent upon circumstance and situation. It enabled Paul to write, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it to you again, rejoice. It is the aptitude, it is the attitude of the Christian faith. And yes, there are things that challenge us and trip us up. And we stumble and we fall. But God wants us in the midst of all of these things to spirit experience a deep-seated joy that's not based upon the situations about us, but instead is based upon an inward relationship with Jesus Christ. There was a song we sang in youth group in the 1960s that somehow made it into the United Methodist hymnal. And in the last stanza, Jesus says, They cut me down, and I leap up high, for I am the life that will never, ever die. I'll live in you if you'll live in me, for I am the Lord of the dance, said he. So dance then wherever you may be. I am the Lord of the dance, said he. And I'll lead you all wherever you may be, and I'll lead you all in the dance, said he. God gives us eternal life. God gives us abundant life, and God gives us daily life. When we awoke this morning, it was a gift from the Heavenly Father's hand, And we are called to praise him and to serve him every day of our lives. And it is easy sometimes to forget that essential message. I say to people occasionally, using the language of the Hundred Acre Wood, that I started off life as Winnie the Pooh. Somewhere along the way, I started struggling with not being Eeyore instead. You understand what I mean? It's easy to ascribe to a bumper sticker philosophy that says life's hard and then you die. Irma Bombeck once wrote, somebody told me, cheer up, things get worse. So I cheered up and sure enough, things got worse. And we all suffer heartache and tribulation and trial. And if we're not careful, we can drop our gaze to the earth rather than raise it to the sky. But it's almost comical that a people of faith believe without question that the Lord God Almighty spoke creation into being. He inspired the patriarchs and matriarchs of our faith. He led the Jews out of Egypt and parted the Red Sea. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to save sinners. That Jesus died at the cross but was raised on the third day from the empty tomb. The Holy Spirit was sent at Pentecost. We believe all these things. We profess them, and yet we think the same God cannot do anything about our family. Our marriage, our children, our finances, our worries, our anxieties, our trials, our tribulations, our temptations. Tell somebody there's a million stars in the sky, they'll believe you without question. Tell them a park bench is wet with new paint and they'll touch it just to be sure. But if the resurrection is who we are as God's people, God is at work in our daily lives. This past January, we began the Route 66 journey together of reading the New Testament, and the first book we read was Mark. And as a pastor, I tried to approach it not as sermon preparation, not as a Bible study, not as even a personal devotion, just reading it for the big picture, getting the the big ideas, reading it almost like a novel. And there was something that struck me afresh and anew about Mark's gospel, and it was the signs and wonders that Jesus performed and how God's power, God's kingdom broke into the world through Jesus' ministry. And the Holy Spirit tapped me on the shoulder. More like hit me upside the head with a two-by-four. It reminded me God's still in the process of doing signs and wonders. On a daily basis, if you've got eyes to see and ears to hear. Our director of women's ministries, Sue Allen, wrote a devotional about that same time that referenced a book called The Hidden Life. In which neurologists are discovering that when we change our attitude and our perspective, we literally rewire our brains. It's not just software, it's hardwiring as well. Paul knew that millennia ago when he said, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in Christ Jesus. How we look at the world determines who we are. And God is with us in daily life. There are signs and wonders they have occurred during this worship service if we were sensitive enough to the Spirit's touch. And it's God's good will to give us life, eternal life, abundant life daily. And yes, we come today struggling with a practical form of atheism or agnosticism. We sing the songs, we hear the scripture, we recite the creeds, and sometimes we're like the person who said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. But this day, I dare you to put your lives in angel gear, to lay aside the dread, to lay aside the doubts, and to simply believe and envision what it means for me, for you, for the world, that Jesus Christ is risen indeed. And the gifts we receive are life everlasting. Death has no power over us. It's life abundant even in the midst of the worst of life. There is a deep-seated joy that sings in our hearts and that God is with us this day. And pay close attention. And before the time you lay down your head tonight, you experience the Lord's presence in your life. Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Gracious and almighty God, we are an Easter people. Brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, sons and daughters of the resurrection. And we gather this day to praise your name in an unending hymn to recognize all that you have done in our lives. As you have given to us, teach us to give to you heart, soul, mind, and strength. In the name of Jesus the Christ, our risen Lord, we make our prayer. Amen.